Good morning, everybody. I'm Nick McRae. I'm one of your associate pastors here, and it is uh, truly a pleasure for me to get to bring you a, uh, a message from God's Word this morning. So I'm so glad that you're here uh, to join us as we continue this path of restoration. Pastor Daniel already sort of introduced the worship series that we are in the midst of, right? We're, we're, we're going through the season of Lent, this season in the church year of of, uh, of fasting and prayer and sort of self-examination and repentance. And, and all that while we are walking with Jesus through the desert toward the cross. And uh, as we're on that journey this morning, we're going to spend some time with uh, the Apostle Peter. Um, and I, I, <clears throat> I believe that there's a message here uh, for all of us, but th- there's somebody here who needs to hear the message that uh, Peter is going to help bring us this morning. So would you pray with me as we prepare to do that? Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our salvation. Amen. So friends, I've got a question for you, and uh, I don't expect you to answer it out loud, which is good because you're not going to want to. The question is this, what's the worst thing you've ever done? What's the worst thing you've ever done? Was it something that you thought you'd you'd never do, thought you'd never be able to do? Was it something that you maybe even said that you would never do, I'll never do that. And can there be any like real forgiveness? Like, can we really like be let go from something like that? Can we really have something like that um, uh, taken away, forgiven, uh, healed, restored in us? Whatever it may be. Now, I believe everybody in this room has something in mind right now. And maybe if it's not one thing, maybe you're trying to decide between a couple different things, a few different things. Maybe you never thought you had to measure them before, decide which one you know, goes where on the list. But I believe we all have something in mind because we, we all sin, right? We all do things that we ought not do things that we know better than. And that's, that's life, right? That is one of the things that humans do. You know, Peter said he would never do two things. He said that he would never abandon or deny his Lord Jesus In fact, that's where I want to look today in the, in the scripture. Before we get to the text, we're really going to focus on, I, I just want to, I want to um, give us a little bit of context. Because remember in this series, if you're joining us just now, or if you've been walking with us the past few weeks, you'll know we're really looking at the last, the last hours of Jesus's life on earth before the crucifixion. And uh, so we in, in, the, in the text here, this is in Mark's gospel, 
they just finished the Last Supper, right? So this is that time when Jesus gathered all the disciples together and they're in the upper room and they shared a meal. It's where really where the where Holy Communion began, where he gave them the bread and the cup, right? They've just had this meal and then they've left the upper room and they're, they're, they're walking down and it says that they sang a hymn and, th- and then sort of almost out of nowhere, we get um, Jesus kind of suddenly out of nowhere sort of brings this up. He says, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. So it wasn't just Peter that made this vow, this pledge, this promise, but uh, he was the leader. He was their leader. He was the first to speak up and say, even if, even if all these folks do, I, I would never do that. And so then they, they move on. They go into the Garden of Gethsemane, and Pastor Doug t- talked to us last week and uh, talked about how uh, Judas was there, right? And he brought the guards. that He, he was going to betray Jesus, and he brought the guards to take Jesus away. And Peter was there, and he pulled out his sword, right, and swung it and cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. Certainly Peter was still, uh, still pretty convinced he was going right, to—he wasn't, he wasn't going to let this happen. He, he wasn't going to deny his Lord, right? But then something happened. Something changed because Jesus is arrested and, and all the disciples flee, run into the night, abandon their Lord. And now Peter, he at least tried. I think he sort of kept his distance and he sort of followed along. And we read that, that they come into the, the guards, they bring him into the, Jesus into the high priest's house and lead him up into the, into the house. And Peter sort of keeping his distance and he walks and he's sort of standing in the corner right? And uh, warming himself in, uh, by the fire while Jesus is upstairs being, being sort of tried, you could say, by the, by the high priest. And while that's going on, we read this. Uh, Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. This is in Mark's gospel in chapter 14, beginning of verse 66. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, you were one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. Just then a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, this man's definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you're a Galilean. They could tell by his accent where he was from, that he was from Galilee like Jesus. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny him three times that you even know me. 
And Peter broke down and wept. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So Peter said he would never deny his Lord, and yet here he has denied him three times, just as Jesus said that he would. He died him three times, which means he had three chances, or you could say, I guess, two chances. One, uh, one chance, maybe he, he uh, denies him once, and he has two chances to make it right. And yet every time, you're one of his followers, aren't you? You're one of them. You're one of those Galileans, aren't you? He says, no. No, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't even know anyone named Jesus. Two chances, three chances to make it right, but every time he got it wrong. And you know, it's not as though he uh, he didn't realize it was a big deal, because you know, if we if we look back a little bit in, uh, and actually I'm going to go to the version that's in Matthew's gospel because I think it's even clearer than the one in Mark's. But um, in Matthew chapter 10, this is a, a portion where of the gospel where Jesus is for the first time telling his disciples that. Um, it's going to get bad, okay? There's going to be resistance. People are going to um, reject them. People are going to persecute them. People are going to uh, threaten them, right? But Jesus, he says, he says, don't be afraid of those who can only kill the body, right? Because there's a lot more at stake than only that. And as he says this, this is in Matthew chapter 10, he says this, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. If you could imagine that. Imagine that on that great day that we would appear and that, and that Jesus would say, Peter, I don't know anybody named Peter. So Peter knew very well that this was not okay, right? That this was a problem, that the stakes were high. And yet, he did it anyway. He, he denied him. He was afraid. Certainly he was afraid, right? But just a few minutes ago, he was swinging his sword around in the garden, right? And then all of a sudden, it's, all it takes is a, a question from one of the servants. You're one of Jesus' friends, aren't you? And he loses his nerve. Friends, you and I are, are, I hate to tell you, are just like Peter. Because we deny our Lord with our words, and we deny our Lord with our actions. There are many times in, our, in my life where I can look back and I can say, yeah, I, I did. I, I, I have to admit it. I denied Jesus. I'm going to tell you a story about one of them. This was uh, really only a few years ago. I was, in, uh, I was in seminary, a theological school, and I went, one of the classes I took, it was a sort of retreat experience called Interfaith Encounter. And uh, the, the program, how it works, is a group of Christian seminary students 
travel to this retreat center and there's a group of, of, of Jewish uh, theological students, a group of Muslim theological students, and they all come together for a weekend to kind of, just to kind of get to know each other and learn about each other's faith. That's all it is, is to learn about one another's faith. And part of the program uh, sort of built into it was that there would be a certain night where each one of the groups would put together a worship service from their tradition and uh, the others would be invited to come so that they could learn what, uh, like the other students could learn what Christians do. The Christians could learn what Muslim students, uh, what Muslims do in, in worship. The, you know, that we could all learn what, uh, what the Jewish students would do in their worship, right? So we, we, that was part of the program. And, and so we, we did this. We went to their different services. And then on the last night, uh, finally, it was the Christians' turn. And we were all excited because we were kind of new in ministry, right? And we're like, okay, finally, we're in charge, right? We get to, uh, we get to uh, decide what songs we're going to sing. We get to decide what the scripture is going to be. We get to decide what prayers we're going to do, right? We're, gonna, we're really excited to put this together. And I don't know if I was the, f- the first person to say this, but I could have easily have been. I don't remember who exactly it was, but somebody said, you know, there's a lot of Jewish uh, students here and, and Muslim students. Maybe we shouldn't talk about Jesus too much. You know, because we, 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 we realize that's sort of the big difference in a lot of ways between our faith and theirs. And we don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. You know, we don't want to offend them. We don't want to say something that's going to, uh, you know, uh, offend their religious sensibilities. So maybe we should just, just talk about God kind of generally and not talk about Jesus too much. And we all said, yeah, that's a great idea. And so we did. We picked out a song that used the word God, never really talked about Jesus. We picked out, we had a prayer that did that. We uh, picked out a scripture from the Old Testament that didn't talk about Jesus. And, and we went and we uh, led this worship service. And afterward, one of the, I believe it was one of the Muslim students came up to me and said, thank you for, for you know, that was really interesting worship service. I really thought you Christians would talk about Jesus more. And I don't know if you can feel that, but I, I just, my heart dropped. Right? We, we, did, we admit, well, we just wanted to make sure nobody was uncomfortable. Of course, we were missing the entire point of the exercise, right? Which was to show each other what we believed and how we lived out our faith and our worship. We missed the entire point because we were afraid. We didn't want people to think badly of us. We didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And we had denied our Lord hadn't even mentioned his name. And we meant well, of course, or we, we, we really did. We, we just wanted everyone to be okay and feel okay, but we did deny our Lord. We deny our Lord with our actions as well, right? I mean, think, uh, I probably don't even have to name off uh, a whole big list of these different things. Because imagine any, anything that we might do, might behave, say, any way we might act that would, um, that would not do justice to who we say we are, who we say we follow, how we say we believe, uh, who we, what we say we believe about Christ, right? Whenever we are quarrelsome, rude, uh, impatient, just imagine any, any of those interactions you've had with other people or that you've been, when you've been that person, right? Without, there's so many different ways that we can 
deny our Lord with our actions, not even meaning to, but would anyone know from that interaction that we were a follower of the Prince of Peace, of Jesus Christ? I don't know, but once again, these are the things that we do. You know, Peter, um, as bad as it was, and we read that he broke down crying, right? He, he recognized what he had done. And yet, that's not the end of the story, right? And so uh, I'm, I'm going to move for a minute to sort of, I'm gonna, we're going to pass by the, the, the crucifixion, the resurrection. We're coming back to it, don't worry. <laughs> And we find Peter after the resurrection. And uh, I'm going to turn us over to John chapter 21. The disciples have all left Jerusalem. They've gone back home. They've gone into Galilee. And Peter and six of the other disciples, they are, um, basically they've gone back to their old life. They're no longer traveling and and preaching and teaching and telling people the good news of Jesus. Uh, They're back on their boat. They're fishermen, right? So they're out fishing. And as they're fishing, they see a man on the shore. And the man calls to them and they recognize it's Jesus. It's our Lord, right? And so, and so Peter, characteristically Peter, he just dives out of the boat and jumps in the water and swims over to the shore. He wants to get there first. And he does and he gets there and he sees, in fact, it is Jesus. It's his, his Lord. And they, they're reunited and uh, Jesus uh, takes some of their fish and cooks them this breakfast on the beach, on the fire that he had there. Imagine the sweet, sweet meal they must have had together, together again. And at the end of the meal, this is what we read. This is in John 21, beginning in verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. And take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do just as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would glorify God by. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Three times Peter denied knowing Jesus. Three times Jesus now asks him, do you love me? And you see that Peter understands what's going on at that last time when Jesus asked him the third time. And I imagine he recalls that moment when he had denied Christ for the third time and he heard the rooster crow and he realized what he had done. And so we see, I believe here, Jesus' forgiveness, but there's something very interesting here because Jesus doesn't say, I forgive you. Right now, 
I believe that it, that it is, that is what he's saying, but what he says is, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Right? This is not just, I forgive you, see you later. This is a restoration. You see, Peter was the leader of the disciples. Peter was the, the shepherd of the flock. Peter was a teacher who would teach, spread the good news about Jesus. And Jesus is restoring him, not just to level, to neutral, right? But restoring him to his place saying, Peter, I want you back. I want you to be who I mean for you to be. I want you to be who I say you are. I want you to be who I've called you to be, who I've prepared you to be. I don't just forgive you. I'm calling you to come. Come and feed my sheep. Friends, these words that Jesus says to, to Peter, he says to you and me and all of us as well. Whatever, the, whatever it may be, the worst thing you've ever done, the whole list of candidates for that, for, for even the small things, for all the ways that we've denied our Lord with our words or with our actions, Jesus says to us, feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Come. Be restored. Be who I've called you to be. Be who I have made you to be. It's more than forgiveness. It's a, it's a new life. Jesus calls us to that and Jesus offers us that. How is that possible? Right? How can we go from, I've never heard of him, to come and feed my lambs? How can that be? How is it possible? Well, it's all that stuff. It was in the middle that we skipped over, right? It was the cross. And there's one more scripture I want us to look at. Uh, and as I was preparing this message this week, I, I was uh, sort of perusing the, the different sort of sections of the scripture that are about Peter. You know, P Peter factors pretty uh, heavily into the New Testament. He's very uh, important in the Gospels. He's very important in the book of Acts. But he also wrote two books of our Bible. He wrote the two letters of Peter, First and Second Peter. So I was reading through First and Second Peter, and I came across this, and I saw it in a new way. Uh, I read it before, but because I'm imagining now Peter, let's say 30, 35 years down the road from those events that we just read about where he denied his Lord and then this, this, this moment of forgiveness. And, he, and Peter's reflecting on that and he's, he's writing a letter to uh, the Christians that are spread out all around, uh, all around him. And he says, this, this is in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. He, Jesus, never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. 
He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. I imagine Peter writing this, reflecting on those, the worst day of his life and, and maybe the best day of his life. And when he says he personally carried our sins and his body on the cross, I think what he's also saying is he personally carried my sins in his body on the cross. It was because of the cross, because of what happened, because of what Jesus was willing to do, that he was able to say, I forgive you. Feed my lambs. Because you see, Peter didn't deserve that. Peter didn't deserve to be forgiven, but all that was rightly owed to, to Peter. Remember when Jesus had said, anyone who denies me on earth, I will deny to my father in heaven. All of that that was owed to Peter, Jesus took that in himself, took that to the cross, took it in his body on the cross so that Peter could say, took our sins. And I love that he, he turns it outward and he doesn't just say it took my sins. He took our sins because the same is true for me and you. Because of what Jesus did for us, Jesus can say, I forgive you. Be restored. Come be who I made you to be. Come be who I'm calling you to be. Be uh, once again the person I know you can be. And by his wounds, I imagine Peter saying, by his wounds, I was healed. And by the same right, by his wounds, you were healed. No matter what we've done, my friends, no matter what's on your list that was in your head at the beginning of this service, all the candidates, all the contenders, top or bottom of the list, there's nothing that Jesus hasn't already taken care of. And so maybe it's still holding on to you. Maybe you still feel that guilt. Maybe you still feel some kind of shame. Maybe you feel like, uh, no, I, can't, I can't really get past that. There's no way. I owe too much. Not anymore. Not when we trust in Christ. And say, my Lord, I know that you've already taken care of it. Now I'm putting my life in your hands. And now when you call me and say, tend my lambs, feed my sheep, follow me, I will. 
That's what we're called to today. In this moment, you're being offered that for the first time, maybe. Or once again, for the hundredth time, it doesn't matter. The message is the same. And it's good news. Would you pray with me? Holy God, there are no words to express what you've done for us. There are no words to express what we need, how much we need from you. There's no words to express the, the weight that we carry. And there's also no words to express how much, how, how many times, how, how truly you call to us and say, come, follow me, trust in me. God, help us to trust in you. Help us to trust the parts of our hearts, of our lives, of our stories, of our histories that we, we don't want to tell anybody about. Help us to trust them to you, to turn them over to you, to say, Lord, all I want is you. And help us to respond when you say, come and feed my sheep, follow me. All this we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, um, we are so grateful uh, for the way that you support the ministry of this church. It's because of your generosity that this, what we do here is possible, both here on Sunday mornings and all through the week and then in our, in our community and in places like Mozambique where we can make an impact for uh, the kingdom of God. And so we thank you for that. And uh, as always, um, we invite you to, to consider uh, giving toward our Mozambique mission uh, and, and toward the other ministries of this church.